This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. All right. Man, look at you guys. I'm so glad you folks are here. Come in after filling up on turkey. It's rainy. Thank you guys so much. Um, I love our pastor. He basically gave away my whole intro. I had a lot, a lot more to say as my intro. He said everything, but uh, I love our pastor. Man, I'm so glad that he is able to step away. Now, he'll be back next week, so we're only letting him go one, one Sunday. He's coming back next week. Whatever I drop, he's going to pick back up and save the day. But I just love how, like, how he leads, not just me and, and my family, but his staff, his team. I, lo- I mean, thinking back, like when, we, when me and my wife and my family moved to Albemarle, like we came here, we didn't, really have, we didn't know what church we were going to be connected with. We just let, put that in God's hands. We didn't really want to you know, make it based on relationships we had or um, any other connections that we had. We really just put it in God's hand, and I'm just so thankful that you know, God put it in Kevin and Amanda's heart to really just sacrifice everything they had and launch Vortex. I'm just so thankful, excited to continue to be a part of this team. And, you know, outside of my role at Vortex that Pastor Kevin talked about, I've always wanted to be a family man. Like from early days, like I don't, whenever I started talking, I wanted to have kids, have a wife, have a family, just always wanted to be a family man. My dream was like, I'm going to raise these kids to be so smart, so intelligent. I'm going to be the best dad. I'm going to know everything. What I've learned as a father is I don't know everything. I'm actually not that smart. Um, my kids show me a lot. They teach me a lot. And it's not even intentional. You know, if you, you've got kids, you've had kids or grown, whatever, they're still in the house. Like, you know, like kids, they're just truth bombs, right? If a kid loves you, he's going to hug you. If he doesn't, he's going to run away. You know, they're, they're just the truth bomb. And uh, my kids so often have just really reminded me of, like, they've, they've lined up with this message. We've been in this series called Divest, and they've so often, they'll just have their little ways of reminding me, like, Dad, you know, you're spending time, you're putting your energy into things that, that are not good for the family. You know, they're like, we need you. We need you to be home. And I'm like, so I've learned a lot throughout this series, learned a lot from my kids. Um, we started, you know, week one, we had Pastor Kevin talked about being divested, you know, and divested is just, it's taking something from one place so that we can put it in another place. Like maybe we, we made a mistake or something like that, or, or um, we, just, we just, we needed to make a withdrawal so then we can make a new investment. And you know, that happens in life, right? Maybe we make mistakes. Maybe you threw all your money into Bitcoin that didn't quite pay out. Maybe you bought all the lottery tickets when it was up to a billion dollars and you just made some bad decisions. Or maybe it's your time, you know, we invested into relationships that maybe we shouldn't have really invested into. And uh, you, you've got to make a new decision. We've got to pull those, those resources out of that and put them into somewhere else. And, you know, it's not always going to be easy. These aren't always simple decisions, but, but they're definitely important and valuable in life. And in week one as well, Pastor Kevin mentioned, like this was our, our big idea, right? The main point, the main takeaway is uh, we need to be divested in the temporary so that we can invest in the eternal. And, you know, that was just, uh, it was reminding us that we need to be eternally invested, just as it says it in, in Matthew 6. Matthew 6, this is verses 19 through 21. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures 
on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So I think this scripture, it reminds us that our resources are limited, right? If we had like an endless amount of resources, why would it matter? Why would it matter where we're doing our investment? Because we've got an endless amount that sits right over here. We could always reinvest and just keep on investing, investing, investing. But, but this, this bit of scripture reminds us that, that our resources are limited, that they're temporary. And my wife reminds me all the time. She reminds me of this all the time as I'm Amazon and Nike, Adidas. She just reminds me, hey, our resources are a little bit limited. Let's slow down a little bit. But then, like, we had Pastor David Payne, you know, one of a guest speaker on week two, and he reminded us of the, the, um, the obstacles or, or kind of the pitfalls, uh, the, the things that could get in our way, some, some traps that, that not only maybe they, they can prevent us from fully being generous or fully stepping into that life of generosity that God has for us, but they could, they could put a wall up to where you're just missing the boat completely. And, you know, he highlighted, he said, uh, you know, we got to be intentional about about not falling, falling victim to these traps, because oftentimes we say, when I have more, I'll give more. That's been me before. That's, hey, when I get a raise, I'm going to give. Trust me. I've said it before, but, you know, I'll invest my tithe, but, but I'll give more later. And then maybe my favorite, uh, maybe my least favorite, um, my giving makes no difference. Isn't that so sad? like for, for an excuse or a trap for us to, to say that my giving makes no difference. You know, you know what that really is saying is that God can't do with anything with what I have. He, he can't do anything, you know, he can't, he, can't, he can't do anything with me. Like that's just, we just lost faith right there. Like when we're saying my giving makes no difference, we've completely lost faith in God's ability. And that's just not a place we want to be, folks. Um, I want you to know that your giving does matter. It matters more than you know. Like later on, um, Maddie's going to come up here and share some stuff on, on our, our, the generosity of our church. And I want you to know it, it makes a difference not only here, but internationally in the kingdom. It points people to life in Jesus. Your giving makes a difference. It builds eternal treasure. Last week, maybe one of my favorite speakers outside of our, our, um, our pastor is uh, Pastor Eric Partman. This guy's he's nuts. I think that's why I like him. He's just crazy. You know, he, uh, he's just done so many things in life. He, it's like you see, he would be on the Discovery Channel. You know, he would just be out there, I don't know, driving his Jeep off the Grand Canyon, but he'd, he'd jump out of the car and parachute down. The guy is wild and lived a crazy life. I just, I love listening to him speak. But he, le- he left us with a question last week. He says, other than stuff, what will you leave behind? You know, as a, I've got three kids, I've got three boys, and I'm often thinking just as a father, like, you know, what will I leave behind? What will my legacy be? You know, it's, it, it's a fear in my life. Like, I try not to succumb to it. I lean into God to, to help me there, but it's a fear in my life. Like, what, what will my legacy be? What will I, what will I leave behind for my kids? And, I, and I, know that, I know that what I don't want to leave behind are opportunities. Like, I don't want to miss opportunities to grow closer to God. I don't want to leave those behind. What I, want to, what I strive to leave behind, what I want to leave behind is, is, just, is just a path. It's, just, it's a path that's been laid by generosity for people to come to know Jesus. Like, I hope that when I, when, I, when I get to the pearly gates, 
And then I'm standing up there greeting people that, are, that I've known, people that I've not known, that they were impacted some way in my family's generosity and that they came to know Jesus through that. Like, that's the legacy I want to leave behind. And I know that if, if I'm going to invest in the eternal, I've got to have a relationship with God. Like, I cannot invest eternally if I do not have a relationship with God. If my relationship is not healthy, then I cannot invest in that. Cannot invest in that. But to do that, you know, to, to have a relationship with God, I feel like we've got to honor God, right? Like, there's some areas in our life that we have to make sure we're honoring God. I want to touch on three of those today. Um, the first one in your notes is time. I want to talk about how we honor God with our time. And, and Pastor Rick Warren, he pastors Saddleback Church. Um, he's the author of Purpose Driven Life and many other books out there. I couldn't list them all, but um, really smart guy, really smart guy. But he said this, it's a simple quote, he said, but I love it. He says, time is your most precious gift because you only have a set amount of it. You only have a set amount. Like we all know that, right? Maybe that's a hard truth, but we all know that we have a set amount of time. It's something that we just can't go back in the past and get. But as Christians, you know, we cannot manage our time the same. Like, if, if we can't manage our time as the world manages their time. Like, we've got to manage it with God at the center of it, right? We've got to manage our time to ensure that we're seeking God in everything that we do. You know, we've got to organize. We've got to plan. And we got to do this wisely. Like, we, we, we can't be stupid about it now. We can't just make some silly decisions or things like that. We've got to be wisely for it and, and wisely with it. And Ephesians um, chapter 5 tells us this. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, this verse, um, as I was preparing for this message, uh, this verse jumped out to me because of it says redeeming time. Like it gave me hope, right? Like I found hope in that statement of like, okay, I'm, I made a bad decision, but this gives me hope that I can redeem it and I can come back from that. It gives me an opportunity to get back in that relationship with God. And, you know, if you know, if you know me, um, me and my wife, if you've got a relationship with us, maybe we've hung out separately, or, or if you've come, you've heard me speak before. Every once in a while, I've talked about um, my dad. Um, I lost my dad when I, was, when I was young, before I was a teenager. He got in a car wreck, and he passed away. Uh, but what if I told you that, that my dad wrote me a letter? My dad wrote me a letter. He left this for me. In that letter, he talked about, talked about becoming a man. You know, going from a boy to a teenager to a man. He talked about, you know, um, finding a wife, how to be a good husband, a good spouse. He talked about having children. Um, he had a son, so he, he probably highlighted having sons in this letter and like what it meant to be a good father to them, how to raise sons to be godly men and to, to live respectful. And, you know, this letter, like, uh, is from my dad, so I know it was loving, right? It would be loving, it would be life-giving. It was for my protection. It was laying out the path of the life that he wanted for me. It wasn't, it wasn't left behind to talk about anything that I would fail at. It was left there because he wanted a life for me, and he left this behind. Now, that letter, that letter got stuck in my drawer. And what if I told y'all I never read it? I stuck that letter in my drawer about 30 years ago, and uh, I never read it. I didn't pull it out. You know, I just I kept it in that drawer, never opened it, never read it because I didn't have time. You know, my schedule was too busy. 
I just didn't have time. You guys would think I was crazy, right? Like I lost my dad. He left me a letter. Nah, I don't have time to read that because I didn't have time. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I guarantee you most of us today have used an excuse of, I didn't have time. I ran out of time. I was too busy. See, to honor God with our time, we have to give God our time. That's number one, give God our time. See, God left us a letter. Why wouldn't we take time to read it? Why wouldn't we take time to read it? So one way we give God our time is to get into Scripture. Like we've got to be in the Word of God so that we can connect with God's way. And so for me as a Christian, I believe this for all Christians, like Scripture's a non-negotiable, guys. That's not something that we can walk around and say, I didn't have time today to get into my Bible. I didn't have time last week to get in my Bible. Like that's a priority in our life. I got my first Bible. I got my first Bible in 2013. This is it. It hasn't fallen apart yet. I've already had to buy my wife some Bibles because hers falls apart. It hasn't fallen apart yet. Maybe I need to get into mine more, but this was my first Bible. I was 31 years old. I didn't get my first Bible until I was 31 years old, and I still have it. And it was, it was my pastor at that time when we were in Wilmington that gave it to me. You know, when I got this Bible, unfortunately, I did not jump and, and scream and celebrate. And I, I was challenged. I was so challenged when he handed this to me because this was a guy I really looked up to. And I was like, oh, goodness. He just raised the bar for expectations of what, what kind of Christian I needed to be, what life I needed to walk. I was hesitant. You know, I didn't know the where. What, Galatians? I don't know. Should I start there? Yeah. Maybe I don't want to go in the Old Testament. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little wild. It's like the wild, wild west. I don't want to go in there. So maybe I go to Matthew, right? I start in the New Testament. Yeah, start there. Or maybe I want to read the apostles. Yeah, yep, read that. Maybe I want to go from back to front. I'll start in Revelations. The answer is yes. Whatever your question is, when you ask the where, it's just Scripture. It's just Scripture. Open the Bible. Get into it. And to kind of ease those hesitations you may, may have, I got a simple, simple process, guys. It's called soap. We're not taking a bath, but what we are doing is we're getting into the Bible. Soap, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. So simple. Open your Bible. Write the passage down. Man, you can do that, right? So easy, so easy. Write the passage down. Make observations. Apply to your life in a practical way and then pray. So if you have hesitations, if the Bible's intimidating to you, start with that. Start with that soap method. Get into Scripture. Make an observation. Apply it to your life, and then pray. That's another way we give God our time, right? We pray. See, we, we've got to respond to God's words with our own words. We've got to pray for God's will daily. We've got to pray for God to remove, you know, those obstacles, the procrastination, the idleness, anything that is preventing us from being into the life that God has called us for, we got to pray for his strength to overcome that. Um, and don't be scared to pray bold. Be big. It's just you and God. Nobody's going to say anything. Get crazy. Look, my mother-in-law is here right now, so not to put her on the spot, but I call her Mama Jane. This woman is one of the most spiritual people I've ever known in my life, guys. Let me tell you what I did when I was a young idiot. Um, I went to their house. I had swept their daughter off her feet. She was just head over heels for me. This is my story, okay? She was head over heels for me. I go to their house. It's a Wednesday. And you know, 
I, I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't know Wednesday was a church day. I just, I just thought that was the middle of the week. I thought we were just heading for the weekend. We, I go over there Wednesday, and they're going to church. And, and she, my mother-in-law invites me to church. And uh, I said, I don't believe in that mess. You know, like, that might not have been my exact words, but I was like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't know about that. That's good for y'all, but it ain't good for me. I, I don't believe in that mess. Man, I was so brave. And, and you know, my mother-in-law could have responded in so many other ways than the way she did. One, she could have slapped me, right? I think we were walking down the stairs. It would have been a good way to get rid of me right then, like just right in the back. Two, she could have turned to her husband and said, Aaron, get this you-know-what out of here. Jen, we're moving. You're not ever going back to that school again. You're not looking at this. Like she could have responded in so other ways, but what she did was she attached a name to a prayer, right? She attached my name to a prayer. She went to church, got her prayer group praying for me. And I don't want you to think that I, what I'm about to say is bragging about any means necessary, but I, I, I've got a, we've been married for 14 years now, me and my wife. We've got, we've got three kids. My kids get up before I do on Sundays to come set up and serve. My kids talk about church all week. They've made so many good relationships in church. And here I stand up here today trying to do my best to preach the word of God. And that has nothing to do with me. It started with my mother-in-law asking bold prayers of God. And like, do not be scared to ask bit of, big of God. There is power in prayer. There's power in scripture and prayer. They need to be priorities in our life. We need to schedule them, guys. Number two in your notes, how do we honor God with our time? We schedule our priorities. See, the things that, when we talk about priorities, these are our most important things in our life, right? You list your priorities, you're like, those are most important things in your life. And so we need to make sure that we schedule those because your schedule is always going to tell you that you're too busy. If you just go about living your schedule, it's always going to tell you you are too busy until you schedule your priorities. I like how Proverbs 16.9 puts it. It says, we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. See, if you put a line in this and you take the first part, we make our plans, this is present. This is us being faithful with what God has already given us. This is the now. We make our plans with what God has blessed us with now. But the Lord determines our step. This is him readying the next this is the blessing that's to come out of the plans that we've made with our faith. If, you're not, if we are not faithful with the now, we're not ready for what's next. Like that is just the fact of it. If you cannot be faithful with what God's already done in your life, then you're not ready for what God's going to do in your life. Scheduling your priorities is going to allow God the space in your life to work. It's going to give him room to come into your heart, to come into your life, to come into your families and do a work, and do a work. We honor God by giving him our time. We honor God by scheduling our priorities. Another way we honor God is by our talents. Um, I don't want talents to be confused with knowledge. No matter how intelligent you are, you can't change your talents, guys. These are God-given, right? These are God-given. He gives us to these. He's creating these before we're around. He gives us, to these, gives us these when we're born, and they're distinct, right? They're distinct. Mine are different from yours. Yours are different from mine, from your neighbors, from everybody and all that. They're all distinct. And Scripture says we should use these. He didn't give us these to waste time. You know, it's, it's not like how I feel sometimes we give our kids Christmas presents. Like, I feel like I just wasted time because they're just playing with the box. Now, God gave us these to use these. 
And Romans chapter 12, 6 through 8, it tells us we have different gifts. We have different gifts. But, you know, stop right here. You can leave the verse up there, but we have different gifts. Now, I want us to, I want us to really understand that. The people beside you have a different gift than you. They don't have the same gift. So can we please stop judging people for something that they don't have and start praising people for something that God gave them? Like God gave them a different gift to you. So let's praise that. Let's not put them in a box for our expectations, but praise them for what God gave them. We each have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. In accordance with your faith, if it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So how do we honor God with our talents? We use them. It's that e- We just use them. We put them in play. And number one, we serve others. So we use our talents to serve others. And we know there's a lot of different talents. We just went through there. There's a lot of different talents. We've all been given a different talent. So there's many ways to use them to serve people. And 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. And we, re- we, we use these to serve others. Each of you use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Many ways to serve others. Many ways. One way I want to highlight today is, is maybe one of the most, or what I believe is one of the most powerful, is through an invitation. I think we can make, we can make a, a bigger impact through an invitation than we can make through pretty much anything else of, of serving others. See, see our, our, our metrics, our church metrics, not just this church, all the churches that report this. 86% of people come to church because of an invitation. How many people have been up at 3 a.m., watched an infomercial and said, you know what? I got to get to church. Probably not many. Probably not many folks, but 86% of the people will respond yes through a personal invite. I came, I, I, I came to church for an invite. Not this church. We were already in church, but my wife invited me to church when I was 25. 25. And we were not we were not dating at this time, guys. We were not dating. In fact, we weren't even, we, we weren't even friends. We weren't, I mean, we weren't enemies, but she, I mean, she broke up with me on my birthday, okay? So we weren't dating. We weren't really communicating. We weren't talking. And then out of nowhere, she, she texts me. She's like, hey, we got friends weekend this weekend. I want to invite you to church. I want to invite you to church. I went. I went. What I didn't realize, though, when I went there was, uh, well, I'll get into that in just a minute. Um, she invited me. There's power in that invitation. Uh, so much, okay, so we're married now, three kids. What I was going to say is, I think she invited me just so I get my heart right, get my, my spirit turned in the right direction. But what she got, she got a husband. She got three kids. She got four boys now. She got to clean up after. She got all those blessings. She didn't even know it. So there is so much power in invitation. I say that to joke, but we have got to serve others by inviting them. Because what happens when we, don't, when we don't invite people? Have you ever not been invited to something? You ever not got invited to somebody that you thought was a friend and they didn't invite you to their birthday party? They didn't invite you to Friendsgiving? They didn't invite you to their small group? Whatever it may be, have you ever not been invited to something? 
and it felt good? No, it doesn't. Like when we're not invited to stuff, it hurts, right? Man, it's painful. And it's because we feel like, hey, did we do something wrong? Did I offend that person somehow? Or maybe worse, did they give up on me? Have they given up on our, our friendship, our relationship? See, I think when, when we don't invite people to church, they feel like we give up on them. And people, people give up on Jesus when we give up on them. That's why we've got to be intentional and we've got to serve others with an invitation. Another way we use our talents and honor God is to serve within the church. Now that we've invited people, we serve within the church so that we can invest in their journey. Right, whether that's, um, that's them starting a relationship with Christ or maybe it's them you know, building their relationship with Jesus, whatever it is, when, when, when we serve within a church, we're given an opportunity to invest in people's journey. So when I went to church the first time, this is where I was going with that other story. Um, I was invited to church. I showed up at church, and you know, we come through the parking lot. There's people waving fingers. They're parking us, and then I see signs. I go in. There's coffee made. There's, there's I don't know, donuts, bagels, all these tables of snacks. I go in there. Chairs. This was a gymnasium, so they put chairs everywhere. We had screens, lights, speakers, all this stuff. And all I saw, I didn't, I didn't know they had volunteers at that time. I was naive. I was like, gosh, this church has got 200 people on their staff. This is nuts. Like everybody here is a staff member. I didn't realize that, that it was volunteers that were serving within the church. And I, yeah, I didn't even know this metric, but it's so true. People within the first seven minutes of stepping foot at a church, they will, they will make their decision if they're going to come back. Seven minutes. Do you know how long it takes the pastor to get up here at church? It's not seven minutes. I got up here and it was like 10 to 15 minutes after church had started. Some of, you got, some of you got here 10 minutes till. You already made your decision before church even started if you were coming back. And that's fine if you don't come back and you go to another church because I think there's a church for everybody. But what scares me is that when people make a decision not to come back is they're making a decision not to invest in their walk with Jesus. And they're making a decision not to get into a relationship with Jesus. And that makes me nervous. So that's why we got to serve within our church. If you were in the parking lot today, you were holding umbrellas. And you know what? Those umbrellas served a purpose because now people's first memory of the church is not getting rained on. It's you serving them. It's you holding an umbrella. When they came up to the door and you opened that door for them or you greeted them, that was serving them. That was making them feel welcome. That was hospitality. You know, there was a church, and I'm not going to throw them under the bus, but there was a church we visited locally here that we didn't even go through the doors because there was not somebody at the door. There was not somebody there to value the people coming into their doors enough to even stand at the door and say hey to somebody. And I don't think that's acceptable. That's just my belief. If you came and set up this morning, you turned this movie theater into a church, like you prepared the room. If you were serving parking lot, greeters, hospitality, ushers, preparing the table, right? You're preparing the table. Our worship team like to think that they were kind of like preparing the appetizers, a little chip and dip, a little chip and dip for you folks. And all of that is valuable because what it does is preparing the table, it's preparing the room, it's preparing the meal, it's so that you can sit and get filled up on the Word of God. 
It's so valuable to serve within the church so that we can invest so that we can invest in people's journey. See, uh, Matthew chapter 5 says this. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So many times when people are going to a church for the first time, or they're still they're working on their relationship with Jesus, or they're trying to, or they haven't gotten into, they're coming from darkness, guys. They're coming from a place of darkness. They're looking for hope. And what are we? We are the light. We serve in the church. We need to be active in the local church because we are the light for people to come to know Jesus. Like that's what we are. So to honor God with our with our talents, we use them. Number three in your notes, treasure. How do we honor God with our church? Look, giving's not always easy. Don't let me stand up here and make you think that giving's, it's not easy. I love spending money on shoes. That's easy. That's easy for me. I mean, look, it's real easy. My wife doesn't like it, but that is easy for me. And, but, but it's, it, you know, usually like when you're giving me something you don't really know about, like you can't really see, like that, that's, it's difficult, right? It, it's, let's say it's not fun. Let's say it's not fun. Like that, that's been my perception, um, it's, it's especially in my early years. Um, and 2 Corinthians tells us that uh, each of us, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because it's a reflection of our heart. If we're, if we're giving cheerfully, it's a reflection of our heart. God knows that our heart is in the right place. He knows that our treasure is where our heart is, and that's what it means to give cheerfully. So how do we honor God with our treasure? We choose to give cheerfully. You've probably picked up I didn't really grow up in church. Um, my parents were busy. <laughs> they didn't have time. So we didn't, we didn't grow up in church. And so I didn't, I didn't really understand the concept of, of tithing, let alone giving extra. Like that's, that's foreign thought to me, even up into the day that I got married. Now, I had already accepted Jesus Christ in my life, but I was like a part-time Christian, maybe not even a part-time Christian. I was like a two-hour Christian a week. On Sunday, I'd go open doors for people. I'd set up, set up the stage, but I was not giving. I was not tithing. You know, one, I didn't understand it. But two, I just didn't like it because it was weird to me. I mean, I, I, I'm just being honest here. I'm just being honest. Um, it wasn't until me and my wife, we got married. We combined finances. She wrote my first tithe check. And I didn't even know. I just remember. I remember she probably don't even remember this. I just remember going into the kitchen. She's like, hey, I tithe today. I was like, oh. I didn't know what that felt like. Like, I'd never done that for, before. I was always on the fence of giving. And um, it's because I, I had a relationship with Jesus, but I didn't have, like, I didn't really have a, a, an obedient relationship. I wasn't really living life to the fullest as a, as a Christian. I had a mindset that was just totally on my possessions, I mean, that's what it was on. It was on my possessions. Um, I started to learn, though, after that, you know, we 
tithed, kept tithing, started giving. I started to learn, like, well, I started experiencing a heart change. Like, my, start, my heart started changing, guys. Like, like, I don't know what it was, but it just opened up so much for me. And uh, I started living a life that was, that was of loving Jesus. That was of loving Jesus. See, when we give cheerfully, we demonstrate that we love Jesus more than our money. And, and we go back to Matthew 6, 21, where it says, Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your heart will be also. And I think if we ask this as a question, this could be pretty challenging to us. If we ask, where's my treasure? Where's my heart? This would be quite challenging to many of us, and it might even make us repent. Like it, must, it might be so much truth that we need to repent to the Lord. And, and I don't want that to come off as a bad thing. I think that could be a, a, a really positive, a really good thing. Like it would give us the opportunity to go to God and ask for more love and more faith. And you know what? God, God will show you. He will help you to love Jesus more than your money. Um, I mean, and like I said, you know, my relationships were based on money. And it wasn't like I was trying to get rich. I wasn't trying to be the Jeff Bezos of the world. But what I noticed was like when I had some money in my pocket, I was happy. When I didn't have money in my pocket, I was not happy. So like it dictated my, my emotions, which then carried over into my relationships, which carried over into how, how I acted, how I carried on in life. It, it carried over into all aspects of my life. So I, I wasn't living free. I was living in, in captivity, basically. Like I had handcuffs on my wrist because of my possessions and my relationships with them. But when we start living a life of generosity, it releases us from bondage. So number two is releasing bondage. So when we give cheerfully money, it no longer has a hold over us. And if we look in Scripture, Galatians 5, verse 1, we see that for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Christ doesn't want us to live as a slave to our possessions, as a slave to our money. He wants us to live in the freedom of the Spirit. So does your money mean too much for you? Is that a question maybe you need to ask yourself? But when you're living in a loving relationship with Jesus and you choose freedom, you choose freedom in the Spirit, what it's going to help you do, it's going to help you to to please God, really. Like you remain faithful, and that is pleasing to God. See, Hebrews reminds us that it pleases God when we are faithful. Now, it, the thing about faith is like it requires us to trust God in the things that we cannot see, the things that we don't directly experience or, or immediately experience. Like we, but we've got to remain faithful. We can continue to expect big things from God, but we also have to continually attempt great things for God. I wasn't always good at that. I was really good at expecting, right? I'm good at expecting things from other people. Sometimes I'm not that good at attempting things from other people, especially when it came to the Lord early on in my relationship. I was really good saying, God, I need you to do something big. I wasn't really good at saying, all right, I'm going to step, step into this calling for my life. But when I did, you know, when I started giving, when I started being obedient, with my, with my treasure, that's when I started remaining grateful. I was grateful. See, when we give, it helps, us, it helps us remain grateful. It helps us connect to God's heart for people. It helps us connect to God's heart for people. And, and Paul tells, tells believers in, in Corinth, he says, when you give, don't do it negatively. 
Don't do it with a bad attitude, but do it with a smile. Because when you give cheerfully, that's what we've been saying, give cheerfully, especially when it lines up with God's heart, you know what? It's supposed to feel good. It's supposed to bring joy to your life. Supposed to make you happy. My problem was I didn't feel that. I didn't feel good. I didn't feel joy. I thought it was rooted in the things that I, the haves and the have-nots, my possessions. But you know, the act of generously giving, it's it's not a mindset. It's a heart set. So don't don't live like I was living. Don't live with that mindset. Live with a heart. Set on God. Live with a heart set on God and the calling that He has for you. And what what we're going to learn, what you will learn, what you'll see is that we invest our treasure where we find our treasure. And maybe it is a little weird when we talk about our our, our treasures, our greatest treasures. Sometimes we 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 start looking at our you know our spouse. That's what my wife does. She tells me all the time, "I'm her greatest treasure, guys." I'm not going to argue with her. That's not my job to argue with a woman that's always right, is it? No, I didn't think so. But that's what we do, right? We look at our family. We look at our, our spouse, our kids, you know, our parents. We look at our friends, our relationships. We look at our job, our accomplishments. We look at all those things, and we value those as our treasure. But the truth is, Jesus is our greatest treasure. And, and throughout this whole series, all we have wanted for everybody is, is to have a relationship with Jesus. I want you to be walking in the life that God has created for you because I believe the difference in what you need to divest from and invest into equals the difference of where you are and where God wants you. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.